by teaching us the freedom that is found in building our life on the foundation of his word and how that unshakable joy grows slowly from the bottom up. And I wonder if in that audience that day, maybe there would have been somebody who would have said, okay, Jesus, I'm all in. But what about this one? What about when other people are idiots? You ever met an idiot? Okay, yeah. Anybody sitting by? Don't say that one. Okay. No, 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 no. Maybe they're in your row, but not beside you. Look at your neighbor and say he's not talking about you. Okay. All right. Y'all going to have to help me with this one today. I'm not talking about you, but but how many of you have ever, let me see your hands. How many has ever met an idiot? The rest of y'all, maybe, maybe. Maybe that's who I'm talking about. I don't know. <laughs> no, but the idea is, is, like, here's the thing. What if the original audience, maybe, they, maybe there was somebody who was like, okay, Jesus, you're talking to me about my anger, and you're talking to me about my thoughts and about my words, but what about the crazy people all around me? And, and you're talking about private battles, but just like them, what if today sometimes a private battle has a first and last name? <laughs> What if my private battle is not the anger I'm dealing with? Maybe it's not my thought life. Maybe it's not my words. Maybe there's somebody I know. They have a first and last name. And like, Jesus, I'm all in. But what about when people are just hard to get along with? And I'm going to tell you, if you have been attending this series so far, and you've been like, okay, I don't know about this, or I don't know about that, this is the Sunday you've been waiting on. Because this is the Sunday when Jesus is going to talk about those people that sometimes offend us. Because like, I almost feel like when I was reading this, I was, like, I was saying, this time, Jesus, it really is them. Like, finally, someone has done something, and I'm offended. So, like, we, we, you know, in week one of this part of this series, we were talking about how Jesus was saying, what do we do when it's our fault? Like, how, how do we extend forgiveness uh, toward others when we're the ones that was the guilty party? And then what happens when we have those thoughts that want to take us away from him? And what if when our words speak negatively, but this time, finally, it's somebody else's fault but mine. Somebody has finally done that. And here's the thing, that in our culture, we have to be so very careful because everybody in here, if we can just be really honest, okay, we're not, gonna, we're not pointing at anybody. Nobody in here has ever been offended, Okay. But everybody else in the entire world can identify with one common denominator, and that is everybody else at some point has been offended. You know, everybody, you know, all the way from the moment you were born, they don't do this anymore, but the moment you were born, you, you come out into this cold reality, and then the first thing that happens is somebody hits you. <laughs> somebody spanks you, and all of a sudden you start to cry. You're immediately offended. Dude, I'm having the worst day of my life, and you hit me. What's going on? And from then on, there's been so many opportunities to get offended. And so if we can maybe even be more honest, if there's ever been a message that everybody in here can identify with, that is, what do I do when I get offended, including the person on the stage. And so I hope you never think that I'm ever talking at you, but we're having a conversation together. But definitely, if there was ever a day where I'm a fellow traveler with you on the road to healing, this is today. Because if there's ever been a time, I'm like, man, this is a good message because I've definitely been offended and I definitely want something to do about that. And the thing is, is we gotta be so careful because our culture has an answer for being offended. I don't know about you, but I live in a culture where it's almost like people get excited to find something to be mad about. And so it's like, now I'm mad about it. You know what culture says to do? When you get angry, you go full Batman mode, all right? Anybody old enough to remember the da na 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 Batman, all right? Batman hits you so hard, words appear. Do you, are y'all that old? You, when you would, he would hit you, and all of a sudden, pow, boom, splat. One was kapluk. I don't even know what that is. I just know he's on the floor now. And that's exactly what culture says, is that when you have been wronged, the word for you is vengeance, Right? Vengeance. Vengeance is a dish best served 
cold. See, yes, we absolutely know about that. And so what culture says is when finally somebody has offended you, it is the day of days. Because now you can go get vengeance. But the thing is, is that Jesus has a very different word, even though it sounds kind of the same. Jesus isn't interested in vengeance. He's interested in justice. Because what he wants to do is when you get offended, God is very interested in resolving the conflict in your life, but not with you getting vengeance, but with you getting something even better, which is justice. And so all of us kind of in the same room, right? We're all sitting on God's therapy couch, admitting that we have been offended from time to time. Jesus is gonna help us understand how to get true resolution when we get offended. So let's read this together. You imagine how you know they would have been in, in that room or in that countryside going, okay, finally he's talking about my issue. And he says, you have heard that the law says, The punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, don't resist an evil person. (laughs) Okay, and if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. This is where I would have tuned Jesus out. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for one mile, carry it two miles. (laughs) And give it to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. This would have been the moment, maybe, the crowd, the murmur of the crowd was so loud that they probably couldn't hear anything else Jesus said. Maybe they didn't even hear this last part. They were like, did you hear what he just said? He just said, no, 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 that can't be what he just said. And I wonder if maybe it was so loud that Jesus had to kind of maybe raise his voice because they're kind of offended at this point. Because they're like, wait a minute, like that's not exactly what I'm supposed to do. So he has to raise his voice and go, oh yeah, and you have heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Exactly, exactly. But I say to love your enemies. What? 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 Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. And if you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that? Even the corrupt tax collectors do that much, which would have been highly offensive. Because, like, what are you calling me, Jesus? If you are kind only to your friends, how are you any different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, praise the Lord. Let's all pray, <laughs> you know, because that's really hard to do. But the reality is what Jesus, I think, is saying is, is Jesus says unshakable joy grows when we accept responsibility for how we respond to offenses. Jesus says unshakable joy grows when we accept responsibility for how I respond to offenses, or if you like, how I respond to idiots, okay? Once again, look at your neighbor and say, he's not talking about you, okay? He's not talking, to, he's not talking about you. He's not talking about you at all, okay? You're, you're not the idiot, but I know a guy, you know? I know somebody who does the bad thing and whatever, but here's the thing. Do you notice the, common, the commonality between the two, though, is both when Jesus says eye for an eye, for tooth for tooth, and then love your enemies, the common denominator is what do we do when we have been offended. Jesus isn't saying if you get offended. He's not questioning whether or not it's happened. He's saying it's already happened. Like the offense has occurred and you have every right you know, to, to do maybe his direction or that direction. You're at a crossroads in life. And so it's not if, but when. Bad people will do bad things for bad reasons and they will do it sometimes to you. And so Jesus isn't questioning. He's saying what happens when? these bad things happen. And so what I love about what Jesus is saying is, is he's kind of saved this one for last. He's been talking about anger and he's been talking about lust and he's been talking about truth telling and all of this. And now he's like, okay, 
this one affects all of us, and so he's going to take his time with this one. He's going to say what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to do it, and why you're supposed to do it. So what we're going to do today is we're just going to walk through what Jesus has to say because God's word is so powerful. And it's so freeing when we understand it. And Jesus is going to use three different illustrations that you know, would have been very common and understood by the people of the time, but it's kind of gotten lost over time. And so we're going to let Jesus give us the illustrations and explain those so that we can understand that this unshakable joy grows when we understand how to respond to the idiots in our life. Here's the first thing he said this. He said, unshakable joy grows as I respond by partnering with God Injustice and mercy. That unshakable joy grows as I respond. I love that idea of he is not, he's not calling us, you know, he's, he's not calling us victims in this. He's not saying how we should react to this. Rather, he puts us in a position of authority that we now have something that we can do. Like we're not, we're not stepping back and hoping for the best, but he's saying this is how you can take the initiative in your life and how you can take you know, it and move forward with this because the opportunity we have to partner with God in justice and mercy. So when we have that private battle that has a first and last name, God's word says this. He says, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Which, by the way, this is out of the book of Leviticus. Has anybody read every chapter in the book of Leviticus on our Bible reading plan, right? Few of you have, few of, I know, I just, the rest, conviction in Jesus' name on the rest of you. That's what the psalm is for. If you don't know what I'm talking about, as a church, we're reading through the Bible together. And you can, you can text RLC Bible to 94,000 and join us. We're going through the book of Leviticus. And I've had so many people tell me how much they love Psalms right now, you know, because of that. You know, that's the good thing. But this, was, this is in the book of Leviticus. And I'm going to tell you something. If there's ever been a Batman verse, it's eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Isn't that amazing? If you're looking for vengeance, because it's like, hey, whatever you did to me, I get to do it right back to you. But here's the thing. What Jesus actually said is he actually said, but I say, don't resist an evil person. And what's he saying when he's saying that, the word resist, the Greek word for that actually means put, putting justice in your own hands. What actually would happen during the time is even though we think of that eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth is like, like the idea of we get personal vengeance. Actually, before God uh, wrote this down in the Old Testament, you could just seek whatever vengeance you thought was suitable. So if someone took your eye, you could kill them. Someone took, you know, it, your, your, your tooth, you could kill them for it. Someone was late to a meeting, kill them. <laughs> that, was, I mean, that was, you do whatever you want to do. There wasn't, a, there wasn't any kind of thing there. But what God actually did is he put parameters on what happens when someone offends you. When someone does something that, that shouldn't be done, it took the, the justice out of the individual's hands and it put it into the, the courts that were there, the community that was there. So he's saying, I can't trust you with proper justice because you're the one who've been offended. So I'm gonna take care of this. I'm gonna make sure proper justice happens. And what I need you to do is to not put justice in your own hands, but trust me. Trust me to do the right thing in the right season for the right reasons. That's the problem is our culture wants to say, you gotta go get yours. You deserve. You're, you're the one who needs to be able to, to seek vengeance on somebody else. Jesus says, you know you're not trustworthy of that because it hurt you. And so you want them to hurt the same level and the same way. And so what I need you to do is I need you to trust me with justice. Not vengeance, but trust me with justice. God's word says it like this elsewhere. It says, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger or justice of God. For scripture says, I will do the avenging. I will pay them back. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. 
If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And so what Jesus is telling us is that unshakable joy grows when we take responsibility for how we respond to the offenses of others. And here's the thing. If you think you're doing this all by yourself, you're in a position where you're not going to be able to do anything because if you don't get justice, nobody will. But the reality is, is God's word teaches us that God is primarily in charge of justice. And so therefore, you're not having to get this on your own. Now, that doesn't mean that when a bad thing happens that we don't use the systems of justice that we have in the world we have. Matter of fact, it's saying that we should seek that justice. But yet at the same time, we realize that even the court systems that we have today are not the primary ones that actually make everything right. It's God who makes everything right. And so what we can do then is since we trust Trust him that he is moving behind the scenes. When we get offended, we have the opportunity now to partner with him. That he does the justice, now we can move forward in mercy. That's easily said and hard to do. That's why Jesus actually has four different illustrations on how to do this. Because I don't know about you, this doesn't come pre-installed with me. Is anybody automatically great at forgiveness? (laughs) Or how about this? It's not when someone immediately offends you, but what if they're like a habitual offender? Like they just love getting under your skin. You got anybody like that in your life? Are, are you sitting beside them right now? Yeah, I just, I saw a couple of y'all's heads just snap that way. I just got you in trouble and I'm sorry. But if, what, what do you do when you have someone who just loves getting under all your skin? Other words, have you ever driven on Scottsville Road? <laughs> what, do you, what do you do? So Jesus is saying, if, if I'm gonna partner with you in justice, and now what do you do on your half? He gives us four examples. Here's the first one. The first thing he teaches us, he said, when insulted, I can stand in confidence because God is primarily in charge of justice. When I am offended, when I am insulted, I can stand in confidence. He said it like this. So if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If, if you're not currently subscribed to, to my blog, you can go to brandoncannon.com and you can subscribe because I, I know that this scripture right here has been, has been said to be that if you're a Christ follower, you should always let people beat you up and that you should never retaliate at all and all of that kind of stuff. And, and I know because when you read it with our 21st century mind, that's what you would get out of this. But I, I've got some, some resources on my blog if you wanna do your own research and see this, that actually in the, the current, or the, the time, the first century, if somebody wanted to hurt you, they would close their fist and hit you. If they wanted to insult you, they would open hand slap you across the face. So what Jesus is saying is he is not saying that when someone beats you up, you invite them to do it again. Rather, what he is saying is, is that when someone insults you, don't let it get to you. Because this was such a big deal in the culture of the time that when someone slapped you across the face, they were telling you that you were shameful, that they were better than you, that you were worthless, and that your family was worthless. It was such a big deal that when someone open hand slapped you across the face, you could take them to court. And what now we would call liable, uh, libel and slander. And you could actually sue them because it was such a disrespectful act. Modern times, we would call this a yo mama joke, okay? How many's ever heard of those? I know, you're holy, but I've heard of those, right? You, you ever heard of like, like your, your mama's so poor she can't even pay attention? Like one of those, that's a, that's a yo mama joke. And, and the thing is, is it's, that, it's that ultimate insult. That's that slap across the face. I didn't realize that when you get married and you work on a crew with a bunch of guys, all yo mama jokes change to your wife jokes, okay? They do. And I don't know why, but it hits different. When you make fun of my wife, I'm like, dude, three o'clock out back, we got to fix this because you ain't going to talk about my wife. And it, 
I was 20 years old. I just got married. And everybody started, they, they didn't care about my mom anymore. They wanted to talk about my wife. And I was like, dude, stop that, you know? And I started to realize that's just how we would hang out with one another. And so I learned a couple of jokes and I kind of fire back a little bit, you know? Y'all pray for me. All right, that was a while ago. But there was one guy on our crew, he couldn't handle it. He loved teasing everybody else. But you said one, your mama or your wife joke, he was the guy at three o'clock. We're going to settle this. And poor guy couldn't fight. So he got beat up like every day at three o'clock. But he was going to defend his honor, right? His wife's honor. It was, it was crazy. Until one guy finally, he was kind of like the, 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 the head of our, our crew there. He kind of got this guy off to the side. He's like, dude, you got to stop this. Can, can, I, can I give you a secret to not get offended? And he's like, yeah, I need a secret. So here's the thing. None of us know your wife. So why would you care what our opinion is? Do you know your wife? Yes. Is she a wonderful lady? Yes, she is. I was like, then we don't have a say in this. And so we say this. Why are you letting us define the value of your wife? We don't know her. So instead, you know who you are. You know who she is. It doesn't matter what they have to say. And here's the thing that I love about Jesus is that because of Jesus, no one can make you feel bad without your permission. Because they are not defining you. He is the one that is defining you. And so here's the mental image that Jesus is trying to say. Now, don't get me wrong. They shouldn't do those things. But we're not talking about what people should and shouldn't do. I'm talking about what do we do after they have done it? How do we respond? How do we respond when a yo mama joke comes out of left field? What, what, what do we do? The mental image that Jesus is painting is that when somebody, watch what I'm doing. When somebody slaps you across the face, because you know who you are in Christ, you stand up and look back at them and go, what you got? Look at, look at your neighbor and say, what you got? <laughs> you can't bother me because you didn't define me, so you don't get to affect me. What you got? I can stand in confidence. You can hit me, and I can look right back at you because I'm not ashamed. You don't get to define my reality. My reality is defined based on who Christ says I am. And so he's saying joy grows when we accept responsibility for how I respond to offenses. And so when someone insults me, I don't like it, but it don't matter because they didn't create me. They're not my Savior. Only Jesus is my Savior, so only His opinion matters. And because God is ultimately involved in justice, I know that God's getting them. Behind the scenes, God is taking care of that. And so when insulted, I can stand in confidence. The second thing He told us is that when we are wrong, I can make things right. When wrong, I can make things right. He said it like this. He said, if you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. Now, what they would have understood in the time is your shirt, but most people had more than one shirt and everybody wore a coat over that shirt. And so a shirt was often used as a bartering tool. And so if you had, somebody had something that you wanted, say, hey man, I'll, I'll, I'll sell you my shirt for whatever you got, or I'll sell this. So people would, would always use that. And so they were not very valuable at all. Like, like modern terms, $20, $30 would say, hey, you know what, let's, let's trade for this. It wasn't a big deal at all. But what you couldn't do in court is you couldn't ask for somebody's coat. Because many times people only had one coat. And if you were poor, that coat also served as your blanket at night. So you were not allowed to take that because if somebody walked around without their coat, it was a shameful thing that they couldn't even afford to have a coat. So you weren't allowed to do that. But what Jesus says is when you partner with me in justice and mercy, and you know that I'm working behind the scenes, not if, but when you get offended, you can stand in confidence. And when you are wrong, you can make things right. Like, even if you got to go above and beyond what would have normally been expected of you, you can, not because you're not worried about what's fair. Well, God, that's not fair. They're getting away with this. No, they're not. Because Jesus is in charge of justice. It doesn't matter what the local court said or what the boss said or what HR department said, none of that kind of stuff. Jesus is working justice. 
And so since he is working justice, when bad things happen, you can actually step in and make things right because you know that God is going to make sure everything is just in the end. The next thing he said is, is when I get used, I can go beyond expectation. When used, I can go beyond expectation. He said it like this, and this is a hard one. He said, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it too. Now, have you ever heard the phrase, go the extra mile? That's where this phrase actually comes from. And what would have, they would have understood at the time was when Rome would take over an area, which the area Jesus was in would have been an, a, um, a conquered area, the Roman soldiers were allowed to compel any person that they occupied. They could compel any person, no matter what they were doing, to drop what they were doing and carry their gear. We're talking between 70 and 100 pounds worth of gear. They could require you to carry it for a mile. And so it would be nothing for maybe a, a, a young man who was just going into to market to get something. He wouldn't show up until the afternoon because while he was there, a Roman soldier would say, hey, put that down, start carrying my gear. And he was told he had to do it. And so it was very acceptable that you would carry that gear for one mile. And as soon as you get to one mile, you'd let it go. And they couldn't keep you there anymore. And it would almost be the way that you would show them that you didn't care is you would just drop it and walk away. And what Jesus is saying is, is if you're in charge of your justice, you're in charge of your vengeance, that's going to be hard to do. It's going to be hard to do anything else because if there was any villains in the room, it were the Roman soldiers. They eventually killed Jesus. They're, they're, not, they're not nice people. And so if there's anybody that you can, you can wreak justice or vengeance on, it would be them. But Jesus is saying, if you're not worried about justice because you know that I am working justice, then what you can actually do is what he said before, is that when they're in need, you actually go and you help them. And it actually will bring shame to them because you're not trying to get vengeance. You trust me for justice. And so now you can go the extra mile when you're offended. And when you're offended by that bad person, you don't try to see the least you can do and kind of show that as a way to kind of get back at them. But as an act of worship to the Lord, you go the extra mile because you know that justice is being served behind the scenes by your great Lord. And then here's the last one. He said this, is he said, give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. And what he's telling us is that when you get this idea in your head, offenses become an opportunity, not a prison. Offenses then become an opportunity and not a prison. Because what he's talking about here is the context. He's not talking about just anybody across the world. He's saying, but specifically those people who have offended you, those people that you would consider your enemies. When those people have a legitimate need, don't turn away from them, but actually be kind to them. Can I tell you that's one of the hardest things in the world is when someone has, has been mean to me, someone has offended me, someone has offended my family, which is even worse, to then, to, to then want to be able to help them. That is so difficult if... I feel like vengeance is on me to do. If I feel like that I'm the one that's got to pay them back, I'm the one that's got to make sure they know how much it hurt and how big of a problem it was and, and whatever. When, when that is, I feel like I'm in a prison. I, I, I have to. And what happens is, is that's how bitterness is created and frustration is created until all of my thoughts are bent toward that person and what they did. You ever had somebody who offended you and before you know it, they are on all of your thoughts? Like you can't get away from what they did and, what, and why they did it. It becomes a prison inside of you. But what happens is, is that when all of a sudden you see them hurting and you start to serve that person, it becomes an opportunity to share the love of God. Not because what they did wasn't bad and not, not because it didn't, that you don't need justice, but you trust the Lord for justice. And since you know that he is working justice in your life, when you get offended, you can take it as an opportunity, not just as a prison for your soul. But here's the thing. I don't know about you, but none of that comes pre-installed for me. Whenever I get offended, I don't automatically think, you know, this is, this is a wonderful opportunity. 
Somebody just completely cheated me. Someone hurt my feelings. Someone hurt my children's feelings. What a wonderful opportunity for me to show the love of God. No, if you do, praise the Lord for you. I immediately think vengeance. I want to put on my Batman hat. That's, what I, that's exactly what I want to do. And so because of that, Jesus knows us enough to not only tell us you know, how to do it, but then he also tells us, or what, what to do, but then he tells us how to do it. So here, here's the big moment right here. This is how you actually do this. Jesus teaches us that unshakable joy grows as I respond by partnering with God to see people clearly. How in the world, when I have been offended, do I stand in confidence and not let the words that they say affect my heart and my soul? How in the world, when I'm wrong, do I actually have the confidence to stand there and try to make it right? How, how in the world do I, you know, when, when, when a legit villain, <laughs> how, how do I do this? He said, I'm going to tell you how is by partnering with God to see people clearly. He said it like this. He said, you have heard that the law says, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. If you're taking analog notes, I want you to circle that word prayer. Because the thing is, is that Jesus knows how hard that is. And here's the thing too. He has no, no intention of you having to do this by yourself. Like he has no intention of you, of you showing love for them by yourself. But in other words, he says immediately when you start to realize that you're supposed to see your neighbor and your enemy as the same thing, you immediately need to get God involved in the process because it's too hard. It's too hard to do by ourselves because there's so many broken things that are pulling us away from the goodness of God. So as soon as you begin to see that you need to love your enemies, immediately get God involved in the process. And I'm gonna give you, how he says to do this, and then we're going to pray and ask the Lord to do this in our life. He said, you know, you know why you get God involved so you can see people clearly? It's because in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both evil and good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. What he's saying is, is getting God involved helps me see all people as his creation. It helps me to see all people, not, not in... And, and enemies and loved ones and all that stuff, but to see all people as his creation. And here's the thing that I, that I know about God that, that I don't like. Like the, these two things get on my nerves so bad when it comes to me getting offended. And I don't know if you would agree, but it's that Jesus loves my enemies just as much as he loves me. And that we never get to know the private battles of others. Do you know, I was, I was talking to a guy not too long ago and he was kind of telling me his background and his story, and, and he had two grown sons, and one of those grown sons had done very well for himself. He'd started a couple of businesses and was just very, very successful in the corporate world, and it was just great. And his other son was in prison. And he was talking about both of them, and for a while, I didn't know that they had different, very different paths in life. And so finally, when he told me that, I was just kind of, wow, you know, and, and I, was, I was just trying to understand. I said, man, how are you able to kind of manage that it's just very different paths they've taken. And he got offended. And he was like, hey, man, I don't know what you think you're talking about. I love both of my boys. I'm proud to be both of those boys' dads. And he's like, now, one of them had some choices that they made, and they did very well for themselves. Another one, because of the choices he made, he is now in prison. But that didn't change anything about how I feel about my boys. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> let's talk about anything else now, because that's not how I meant that. I just meant, wow, how different. But he was like, hey, don't talk about my boys. You know, that's exactly the way God feels about us. 
That if you're if you're successful in life, you've done you've done great things in the eyes of man. He so he loves you. He's so proud of you. He's proud that you are his creation. But if you've had one broken thing after another, and and your life has just been just full of of difficulties, you know he still loves you. He's still proud to be your heavenly father. He still wants good things for you. And the thing is, is that it's so very important to realize that just like God loves me and God loves you, God also loves the person that is breaking you right now. God also loves the one who is hurting you right now. And the reality is, is that we never get to know the private battles of others. But if we could see the private battles of others, we'd realize that hurting people hurt people. And so we would probably see that that person who is a villain in our life is probably not as much a villain as they are broken and they're hurting and they don't even mean it against you, but they're just so hurt and they're so broken and they're in such a bad state that they don't know how to act in a, in a healed way because all they know is the pain that they experience. And so that person, they're not as bad as you think they are. They're just broken beyond repair. Only Jesus could repair them. And that doesn't make it right. It doesn't make what they're doing right at all. But they're not as bad because they have private battles. They need healing. They don't need vengeance. They need mercy. And I know that because sometimes I'm the villain. Sometimes because of the broken places in my life. I don't need, I don't need vengeance. I need someone to show me mercy. And so I wonder if, is it possible that because God gives us the how, how do we, what do we, what do we do? We do all of these acts of mercy and kindness. And then why would he do that? Maybe because he trusts you. He trusts that when you get offended, you're not going to seek vengeance, but you're going to start to pray. And because you start to pray for that person, you're going to start to see that person as made in his image and that the, the sun shines and, the, and, it, and it also, the, the rain is on everybody. And so what we start to realize is that that person is no different than me. They're just in a broken place just like me. And so instead of extending vengeance to them, I'm going to let God deal with the justice. And now, thank goodness they offended me because I'm going to take them to Jesus. If it had been somebody else, they might have sought vengeance after them, been the worst thing ever. Man, I, would, I wish God would do this, but one of the greatest ministries I could offer is that when somebody offends me, I let Jesus take care of the justice and I start to intercede for them. Because as I start to intercede for that person, what I start to do is I start to see them as God's creation. And then the second thing is he said is he said, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that? Even the corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, you, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. And so what Jesus is saying is, is that anybody can love somebody else who's kind to them. But when you start to pray, when you start to get God's view of that person, you start to see them more clearly. You start to see that this, is, this isn't a villain. This is a broken and hurting person out there that we're all made in God's creation. Then we also get to realize that love is a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's an action without conditions. When we start to see people clearly, we start to, the, the line starts to blur between friends and enemies. Now we have boundaries in place for those enemies so they don't have access to our heart. But we no longer see people that deserve our love and people that deserve our vengeance. Instead, we see God is working his justice in all things. And so now love can become not just a feeling, but an action without conditions in my life. And here's the thing. Why would God ask us to do this? Because I'll be honest with you, some of these messages have been easier than others as we've gotten to this point. So, some of these, you know, we're talking about anger. We're like, okay, that's a, that's a hard one, but I've, I've, I've made some good ground on that. I'm doing good. And then, oh my goodness, 
Thank you guys. We, we talked about, you know, uh, lust a few weeks ago, and we made it together, didn't we? We survived it together, and God is good, and it's actually started some really good conversations because so many of us, the culture that we live in wants to just to push that on us rather than purity, and man, I've been so excited to hear about the conversations, and then and then didn't, uh, didn't Brandon do a great job after that talking about just about our words are so important and speaking truth and living our lives in such a way so that we don't have to, you know, have to make promises. Our word is what it is. Wasn't that amazing? But some people struggle with that. Some people don't. But I've never met a person yet who didn't struggle with being offended from time to time for various reasons. And so I think maybe that's why God takes time. Jesus takes time to say, hey, you know what? Not if, but when. The bad person does the bad thing for the bad reason. When your private battle has a first and last name, you're not a victim. You don't have to react to the bad actions of others. But rather, unshakable joy grows as you can then respond when you are treated unfairly because your identity doesn't come from what they said about you and what they did about you. It comes from who you are in Christ. And so there, for, for that reason, what you can then do is then you can partner with Jesus. Let him take care of justice. You take care of the mercy. And you let God make the difference. And God is working that justice in their life. And he is doing that. And while he's doing that, you're also investing in their life. And then how in the world do we do that? Jesus tells us, you know how? By getting me involved. You were never intended to do that alone because it's too hard. It's too hard. But you were always intended to partner with him to see people clearly. And then here's the question, why? Why, Jesus? Why would you ask us to do this? Well, he tells us, he says, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, that word right there in a, our modern context, that's impossible. It's impossible to be perfect, right? That's not actually what that word means. The original word means complete. It means finished. It means whole. Just like our Heavenly Father is complete and whole and needs nothing, needs no outside influence to be who He is, that's exactly what God wants for you. The reason why He would touch on such a difficult topic is because, you know what happens every time somebody offends us? They break a piece of us. They hurt a piece of us. And you don't see it on the outside, but on the inside, it shatters a piece of us. And you know what, unfortunately, vengeance does? Vengeance is like setting yourself on fire, hoping the other person dies of smoke inhalation. <laughs> Let that sink in for a moment, right? It, you, know, you, know, you know what vengeance does? Is that is self-inflicted wounds. And it's more and more and more until what eventually starts to happen is on the outside, you're smiling, but on the inside, you're full of anxiety and fear and anger and hatred, and you're like an exposed wire, and anytime somebody touches you, you react all of a sudden because there's so many broken pieces. It's just like when somebody breaks their arm. If you touch that, that weak spot, they just go crazy. Well, every part of you is now an exposed wire because you've been broken so many times from the offenses of others that they just, it's just a mess. And what Jesus is saying is, I don't want that for you. Rather, what I want you to understand is that the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, success is not achieving. It's becoming whole. So the goal of what Jesus is telling us is he's like, I don't want, I, my primary goal is not for you to achieve the idea that you never become angry. Wouldn't that be great? That you never have a bad thought that comes to your mind. That you, that you never have to, to really be careful with your words. That is, of course, the goal. But the primary goal is I want to heal you so that you become perfect so that you become whole from all the places 
that are breaking your heart. That's what Jesus wants for you, is so that you can be whole. God's word says in Philippians 1.6, I am confident that he who began a good work within you will continue to complete it until the day it is finished, on the day that Christ returns. That's what Jesus is saying. I see what these offenses have done to you. And I love you just the way you are, but I love you too much to let you stay hurt and wounded. I wanna heal you one step at a time. And it reminds me of, I was talking to a gentleman within the past year and he was, he was telling me that right after, um, right after COVID had kind of finished and as far as in with the hospitals and they started doing surgeries again, he had a surgery he needed to do on his abdomen and, and uh, he was so nervous, so nervous about this surgery. And he had, he had, you know, did the thing you're not supposed to ever do. And he went on YouTube and he, he watched the surgery, which made him even more terrified and, and all this kind of stuff. And it was, it was time for surgery on that day. And he went in and he was doing all the pre-op stuff and it was just making him feel even worse and even worse until he said, finally, when the surgeon walked in, he was just visibly just, just shaking. Just, he was just terrified of what was going to happen. And he said that the surgeon was so great. He said he took his mask off so he could see him smiling at him. He said, hey, man, it's okay. I've been doing this surgery for over 20 years. I've, I've seen worse cases than yours. You're going to be okay. I promise you're going to be okay. And he's like, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm going to make it. It's going to be okay. And he said, you know, I want to show you something. And he said he, he took his, his scrubs and he pulled his scrubs up and he said he saw an old scar that went across. And he said, you know, well, I can tell you you're going to be okay because I'm not just a surgeon. I've had this surgery. I know exactly what it feels like. I know how afraid you are. And I'm going to tell you, the recovery is hard, but you're going to be okay. And he said, just, just knowing that somebody understood, he said, it did help him. He said, I was still nervous, but it did help me. And he said, then the surgeon said this, this is what I remembered. He said, the surgeon told me, he said, you got one job. Don't get off the table. And he's like, well, I mean, I'm going to be unconscious. He's like, I know, but just, that's the other words. Yes, I'm going to do the work. You just, just don't get off the table. And of course, the end of the story is he had the surgery and it went much better than expected. It was great. And as I was thinking about this, I'll be honest with you, this message was very hard for me to put together because not everybody deals with some things, but we all deal with being offended. We all deal with feeling the need for vengeance when we get offended because what they did was wrong. What they did was unfair. I was innocent. So Jesus, you take, you, you, you take a water break. I got this. That's not how it works. Jesus says, I don't trust you because you're in pain right now. Let me deal with not vengeance, but justice. Because while I'm dealing with their justice, I also want to heal you from the inside out. But Jesus, this is too hard. This is, this is like the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with is when, because Jesus, I wasn't just offended one time. But I'm actively being offended by this person again and again and again. This wasn't an event, it's a storm. And as soon as one round is over, it's happening, Jesus, what, what am I supposed to do with that? And, and the thing is, is that Jesus still says, let me deal with justice. You walk in forgiveness and in mercy because I know what is just and what is fair. Well, Jesus, that sounds easy for you. You're God. And if you just shouted this stuff on the side of a mountain, that'd be great. <laughs> And I'm really not trying to be offensive, but in the real world, it's hard. You're God. I, maybe you're much, much holier than I am. That, those are my thoughts. Until I get, got to really looking at this, and I was like, you know what's, you know what's amazing? 
is that Jesus is looking out over this audience and maybe it's already swelled up to the 5,000 that he's eventually going to, to feed and it's, it's gonna be amazing. You know there's a whole bunch of people there. In that, in that room you've got single, or in that place you've got single people, you've got young families, you've got old families, you've got estranged people, you've got Roman soldiers that he was talking about, you've got Pharisees, you've got everybody. And you know what's amazing? Is in that moment, everything's great. Jesus is healing people. You know, evil spirits are being cast out. Just, oh my goodness, it's a party. But what Jesus knows is in about two and a half years from then, the very crowd that's celebrating him is going to be calling for his crucifixion. He already knows these jokers are going to try to put me to death, and they're going to succeed because it's part of my plan. But these very people that I'm saying, hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be right. Let your offenses go. Trust me to do that. They're saying amen today. Later, they're going to be wanting vengeance. The Bible says over and over and over again that he would tell them this is what's going to happen, but he never turned around. He never, he, he never stopped. He kept going all the way to the cross, knowing that the very people he was preaching to was one day going to call for his death and get it. And in my mind, it's the same thing as that surgeon looking at that young man. Hey, man, listen, I, I, I don't mean this bad. I know you're very skilled at what you can do, but I'm terrified. And I wonder if Jesus pulls up his scrubs and he says I'm not just telling you this because I know it's true but look at my hands they nailed me to a cross look at my side they pierced me look at look at the gashes in my head where they where they put a crown of thorns on my head and the whole time you know what I'm doing father forgive them because if they only knew who I was they wouldn't do this I'm not going to hold it against them I take on all of the justice and he looks at us and he says, you got one job. Don't get off the table. That's hard, Jesus. Remember? I know how hard it is. I was telling this to people I knew were going to offend me. It's hard. But healing is worth it. Wholeness is worth it. Don't get off the table. And I feel like that's what the Holy Spirit is maybe saying to some of us today. Maybe you're walking through a season where you've, you've been offended again and again and again. And this message sounds good, but it's so hard, isn't it? When, when you know that before the day is out, you're probably going to get offended again. Like, Jesus, how am I supposed to do this? And you know what he would say? I get it. I get it. Let me do my perfect work in you. Because I am confident of this, that he who began a good work within you will never stop healing you and making you clean until it is finally finished. So in other words, he does the miracle, you just stay on the table. Jesus, I don't understand, but I trust you. And so instead of seeking vengeance, I will trust you for justice. Instead of seeking to have my way, I'm going to seek instead to show forgiveness. And instead of seeing my life as villains, and, and good people, enemies, and loved ones, I'm gonna see everybody, that everybody is made in your creation and that unshakable joy is gonna grow. And I'm no longer reacting to the opinions of others, but I'm responding because you're healing me one day at a time. In just a moment, the band is gonna lead us in a song of worship. And I wanna ask you this question. Have you gotten off that table? Have you decided to take vengeance into your own hands? Have you, are you harboring a spirit of offense against somebody else? I'm not at all saying what they did was good. Maybe it was the worst thing in the world. But how's that working out for you? It's probably just making it worse. Because vengeance and offense is like a cancer. It takes over and it destroys you. And it's got nothing to do with them. What if you gave them to Jesus? What if you let him seek justice? 
because they can't outrun Jesus. And instead of you trying to find that justice, you give it to him and you let him heal you from the inside out. He's the one that does the miracle. Your job is stay on the table and let him continue to work that out in your life. And he never reveals anything he doesn't intend to heal. And so right now, if you can think of who that person is or what that situation is, in just a moment, as they lead us in a song of worship, maybe that needs to be your prayer. God, I'm so sorry. I have. I've gotten off the table. I've started seeking after vengeance for myself. I've started doing all this. But you know what, God? It hasn't gotten me anywhere. And so I, I put myself back under your authority. I'm so sorry for trying to seek vengeance. But instead, I give it to you. And you let him heal you from the inside out. Maybe you're in here and you're so broken. You're so hurt. And you know why? It's because you're trying to pay for your sins yourself instead of letting Jesus wash them all away. You've been trying to do it all by yourself. It's not working, is it? You've tried everything else. Why not try Jesus? Make him the Lord of your life today. In just a moment, when they sing that song of worship on the, the back of your Connect card, there's a prayer that you can pray. There's, there's no magic words in, in that. It's an allegiance of your heart. But if you give Christ everything, you confess your sin, ask for his forgiveness, today could be your spiritual birthday. And you can be made new from the inside out. You won't even know yourself because of what God wants to do in you. Let's pray together this morning. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. Thank you, God, that you see us and that you know us. God, I'm so thankful that in this place, God, you're not ashamed of us. Lord, you haven't given up on anybody in this place. And that, God, you understand us more than we can imagine. And that you love us just the way you are the way we are, but you love us too much to let us stay that way. You want to heal us from the inside out. And God, for some of us, if we're honest, we've gotten off that table. We've decided to seek after our own healing and our own consequences. And all it has done has led to more brokenness. God, we will confess, sometimes it is hard to wait for your justice because you are kind beyond measure and you are patient beyond measure. But God, I'm so very thankful that the very patience you show them is the very patience you show us as well. And so when we see your mercy toward them, we know that it's extended to us as well. So God, in just a moment when we worship you, for some of us, we're gonna have to lay it all down again. It's gonna be one of the hardest things. God, we're not saying that it's okay. We're not saying that it doesn't need to be justice, but that's exactly what we're doing is we're turning them over to you. We're no longer going to be defined by what they did to us. We're going to be defined by who you say we are. We're going to walk forward in healing. And so when we do that, God, I just pray you will send freedom like we've never seen before. And for others, God, today is their day. They've been walking in a broken place for so long and walking in that dark place for so long and they're so tired of being broken that they're going to turn their lives over to you. God, your word says, if we draw close to you, you draw close to us. Lord, as we draw close to you, I pray that you will run to us. Let today be the day that we remember everything changed because of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me all over the house this morning? The band is going to lead us in a song of worship. I don't know exactly what you need to do to connect with the Lord. Back in the Old Testament, when somebody wanted to meet with God, they would come to the tabernacle and they would come to the altar and they would give him an offering. That's what the altar is, just a place where you symbolically are connecting with the Lord. 
And maybe where you're standing right there, you need to pray that prayer. You need to connect with the Lord the way you are. But maybe it's just such a hard thing in your life that you just want to symbolically bring it to the Lord. I want to invite you to come up front right here and just lay it all down to Him. Maybe you'd like someone to pray with you. If you do, I'm going to be standing right there. We have prayer team in the back. We would love to agree with you. There's power when we pray together. But whatever you need to do, don't let this moment pass. Do business with Jesus today.